Welcome to Business Mentorship, Keeping It Real, where we introduce corporate leaders who have taken the leap to business owner and participate with their great idea in our guest blog found on shareyourstories.online. Our guest is Leslie Irvis, dietitian, personal trainer, and health advocate. Leslie is the founder of a coaching and lifestyle business whose corporate philosophy is giving you freedom from what weighs you down and joins us from Rota, Spain. It is my pleasure to introduce and welcome Leslie Urbis. Thank you. Thank you for having me so much. You know, I we were talking just briefly before we went online to say, you know, you're in, overseas and I'm in North America and aren't these platforms pretty awesome that we can connect and we can hear more about the story behind the story. Yeah. Hold on to a uh, you know internet connection between two nine-hour time differences. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I have to ask, how does a naval officer dietitian who's earned a master's degree find herself helping others align with their health and lifestyle goals? What was your motivation? Oh, back when I was, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, when I first decided to be a dietitian in the Navy, I loved that. I mean, it just made sense. I don't know if you know much about starting as a dietitian, but we don't make a lot of cash when you're. And I, I just, I, I, funny enough, I was just watching a little bit of Beauty and the Beast, my daughter after school, the new one with the you know live people, right. and you know Belle or whatever her real name is, Emma, walking to the field, and she says. I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. I want it more than I can tell. And to me, that's what the Navy was. Like, I wanted to. I wanted them to, de I wanted them to deploy me. I wanted to help people in those situations. That is not at all what I wound up getting until I didn't want it. But uh, it was one of those. It sounded like the most amazing adventure to use the skills that I had. Right. And, you know, I think we often find, right, our, our, our dreams and ambitions sometimes dovetail into something a little bit different when we actually get into the real world, right? Exactly. It, completely. You know, I really, I was all like, you can send me here. You can send me there. I'll go to Italy. I'll go to France. I'll go to wherever. And they were like, oh, you're too junior. You're too young. you got to wait. And then they wanted me to go once I was pregnant with my daughter. And I was like, well, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> well, that, now, now that's the wrong timing altogether, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now it, you're obviously an American. So how did you end up living in Spain? My husband is actually military, which I also promised myself I'd never marry military, but here I am. <laughs> and I still, he knows that he knows my story. And yes. So his job brought us to Spain a little over a year ago, at the end of December of 2022. So, so that's an interesting transition because you know, do you do most of your work online, or are you? It makes it a little difficult because when you're an entrepreneur, you're setting up shop somewhere, right? Throwing out a shingle, doing your thing. So, are most of your clients online, or are you starting to establish an in-person business as well? So most of them are online. I'll be honest, I've had maybe three people, even when they live close to me, want to meet in person. And right. maybe only one or two actually followed through. I actually met someone here in, in Spain in person, uh, and that was pretty cool. And right now, my business is still mostly in the States. I do have a client in Japan. I had a client in the UK. So I'm very much adaptable to where people are based on what I do. And now, because I think it looks like we're staying a little bit longer, I might try to establish more of a European East Coast 
kind of living, but I, I've always kept weird hours. I was military, right? So it's really easy to keep weird hours and it doesn't, to me, I like being online because I can help people that want to be helped in ways that they can't get at their back door. You know, that's a really good point, because I think that one of the things that we always do, um, especially now in this kind of an environment where we're doing things more uh, remotely and people are traveling while they're working and maybe working from home, um, which seems to be a real international trend, um, you want to be able to establish the one to one with someone in a different way. And I think that it's really cool that you've got clients from all over the world who are we're now quite adaptable to doing things online. Agreed. Uh, it's one of the most fun things I, I like to do. And normally, I don't give any of them the bad time zone shift. I take. The, <laughs> you I you, take, t- you take that yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So. Now, coming from the military, it, it, we all establish skills and experience in our. I call it our corporate life. So, what t- type of skills do you think you acquired in the military that are now helping you be a successful entrepreneur? You know, I would have called it a long time ago, fake it till you make it, but I don't really believe in that. Um, Now I would say be adaptable is probably the number one thing. When I joined in 2009, I actually got really sick right after I joined the Navy and I was uh, actually at home for a period of time. And the person that was my boss uh, was actually transitioning out. So by the time I got back, I had maybe like a three week transition with her. And then I became in charge of the entire nutrition department, which if anybody's familiar, it's not just the patients in the hospital and the outpatients, but it's also the kitchen. And it's also at the time it was 54 enlisted members because I was a naval officer. And I'm like, okay, I'm 24 years old. You're going to kick it. I'm in charge of all these people. I have all these things. And luckily at the time, I had the most amazing senior chief. They taught us when we were in school before we went somewhere to rely on our senior enlisted members. And him and I were like BFFs. He'd come into my office and we closed the door so that way nobody knew how dumb I was, thankfully. And he's like, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to say. This is how you're going to say it. And they're going to think you're super smart. And... I, I think that was the most, the biggest thing I ever learned was to be adaptable. I'll never forget the day that I was in the room. And if you're familiar with ranks, I was an 01 at the time. And everyone else in the room was an 05 or an 06. I, there wasn't even an 02, an 03, an 04. And I just remember being like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sit here and yes, yes, ma'am, know what I'm supposed to do and, and say the things. And I remember getting out of that and just people being like, you made a job. Or I barely had my wet in the Navy. So be adaptable was huge. I wasn't just a dietitian. I had so many different roles that I, right. I performed and so many different tasks that you just had to learn that. And I feel like that's the same thing as an entrepreneur, the same thing For in sure. corporate. You wear totally different hats. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, this is my position. And then at the end of every job description, and there's any task that we did to give you, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's really where we're at, right? You've got to yeah, be able to sure. handle that. 
Well, you know, the fine print in being an entrepreneur is you handle everything until you grow to a point where you can hire other skills, right? Other people with skills. Yeah. Right? For sure. Now, one of the things that I I love that you mentioned is that you had um, a superior officer who almost sounds like he was a mentor. He sort of helped you break ground and get your footing and become those with those foundational elements. As an entrepreneur, is there anyone that you look up to or anyone that helps you uh, with your business as a mentor? It's a great question. I've always been asked that, you know, do you have someone you look up to? Right. And for the longest time, you know, I always just said my mom and it is true. I do look up to her in many ways, but now as an entrepreneur, I, I see mentor in a completely different light. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, there's, there's three people that I could mention off the top of my head. One, her name is Steph Tush. She used to work for David Nagel. I believe she's on her own now. And I looked up to her as she worked for David Nagel, but now that she's on her own, I'm like, that's, that's why I always thought I had so much in common with her. Right. And uh, the other person that really her name is Mary Lou Rodriguez. She does um, hypnosis and really helps you go through your subconscious behaviors. The last person who doesn't really know me from White Rice, I literally just took her online course. It's a 21-day tune-up kind of thing. Um, is Irene Lyon. She teaches nervous system support. And I, I would say between those three people right now, I have what I view as someone I'd like to be someone I view as really helping me internally, and then someone that I really see as helping me internally, plus allowing me to be an even better mom and wife. Because being a military spouse is not always the easiest. Moving with your kids when they're three and five sometimes isn't always the easiest. So for me to have these women that I can really look up to as, you know, she moved her kids all around. They actually homeschooled their kids at some point. To see these alternatives when I come from a family of very straight and narrow, you know, I'm very much a black sheep at this point without, you know, labeling myself as that. And it's helpful to see these other women and know that you can pave your own way and it doesn't have to look the way of everybody else that's gone before you. And, you know, I think that's really important to your point is that at different stages and ages in our careers, we look to different people to provide, to fill the gaps, right? To give us the inspiration, to give us that little bit of boost of confidence. So I love that you've got three different people for three different reasons, really, um, that you're using as a, as a, as role models and mentors in your own business. I mean, kudos to you. It's, it's a, it, to find those people is even a challenge at some point in time, right? But I find that they fall into your, you know, they, they cross your screen, I say, and for a reason. And then we really do have an opportunity to expand our knowledge base with the, the symbiotic relationship they end up establishing with, with those folks. And I'm sure you're a role model and a mentor to other women who are watching you in your career. Now, you mentioned that you had two kids, two young kids that you've moved. How is it being a mom and an entrepreneur? You know, I felt like it was a little easier in the States because I worked during the day while they were at daycare. Um, It's a little more complicated here because a lot of times I'm doing calls and they're home from school. But here, the help is wonderful. I'm not afraid to ask for help now. I would have been many, many years ago. It would have been very, very frowned upon. 
right? But now I'm not afraid to ask for the help and I have support in that manner. And it really takes living what I tell people of you have to give yourself, this is the time for this, this is the time for this, this is the time for this, and hold yourself accountable to it. When you intermingle, that's when you feel you're failing. That's when you feel you haven't done a good job. That's when, like I say, you're trying to be this superhuman right. and be commenting and doing the thing while you're like, oh, yeah, the cars are great. Oh, you're beautiful. That's a beautiful picture. And really learning to adapt as well as, you know, I think one of the biggest things that has helped me is allowing myself and, and really using the tools and teaching them to clients of mine learn how to process the emotion and allow themselves to have the experience they need to in the moment. So they're not carrying that to the next moment with their kids. They're not carrying that to the next moment with the client. They're not carrying that to the next moment in their job. And that's really sometimes the most complicated thing we have to do. You know, with Mary Lou, I've actually said to her, you know, at one point I said, I don't want to ever admit I'm sad sometimes because I'm afraid if I admit that and I cry, I don't know that I'll ever stop. Like, will I ever stop? Right. right. And that can be a very scary thing for a woman. You know, I think I read it in a book once. I feel like it was a Rachel Hollis book or something, maybe a podcast where she said, don't cry in front of your kids. And I felt like that was the worst thing you could say to a mother because sometimes like, and a kid needs to see that you cry They're too, human. right? I cried yeah. in Right. I cried in the newest Little Mermaid when she saved herself because I'm like, how do I raise a little boy right now? Like, I don't yeah. know how to do both. Yeah. But yeah. So my daughter thought I was crying because of the happy ending, which is what I admitted out loud. But she was like, I was te I was very tearful because I, they let Ariel save herself in the end. I mean, you know, Eric gave it a try, but, you know, those kinds of things. And I think about those things and I have to really allow myself to process to then allow the the answer to come in, to open myself up to sure. making the right decision and giving the support that I need for clients, for myself and all of those things. So now one of the things that I'm, I'm going to make an assumption. So we've got folks who are clearly struggling with what weighs them down and there can be lots of things that weighs them weigh you down. And I mean, I'm just like everybody else. I find myself sometimes doing that comfort eating, right? or boredom eating or, and then you catch yourself and go, Hey, what are you doing? Like th this is not healthy. Cause we always go for the non-healthy foods usually when we're in that mode. Right? So is there a, a commonality that you find in terms of working with clients who are sharing obviously some really important lifestyle decisions that they want to eat healthier, they want to be healthier, they want to achieve their goals. And we all know that we are what we eat. So is there, is there a little tip that you can share with our viewing and listening audience that maybe will give them a little bit of confidence to say, yes, I can do this too? So I would start with the reason why that could be occurring is because you're in a pattern of shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. And so the biggest tip for that is to not judge after the experience happened. You will repeat the situation if you're like, oh, I just ate this whole thing of Oreos. Didn't really process. I did that. I was bored eating. I was comfort eating. Whatever you want to label it in your head. And some people don't label it as anything. They call it like stressed eating or, right. you know, it's just kind of something that occurs because labeling it makes it real potentially. But what I want you to process is that the thing that makes you repeat the action is the shame and guilt that occurs after it. You solidify that 
making the action a reward or bad or an attaching to the negative reason why you consumed the food in the beginning. Right. So I, I actually encourage people to just note and say out loud, I am stressed. I am eating Oreos and eat an Oreo. And if you do that and like really claim it out loud, I am stressed. I am eating an Oreo and pick up the Oreo and put it in your mouth just by doing that and bringing the awareness and claiming it. I guarantee you, if you normally eat 10, you'll eat less. Right. And then if you normally eat seven, you'll eat less right. solely because you've admitted it out loud. You don't have to express any emotion. I don't care if you cry. I don't care if you get mad. I don't care if you get angry. I don't care if you slam anything. All I care is that you say it out loud. I have said emotion consume the food don't deny the food which is what many people say like don't right. have the food consume it and then move on if right. you do that pattern the food will disassociate every food you have is emotional many people are like oh i'm an emotional eater we are all emotional eaters true christmas and invokes an emotion and when Christmas invokes an emotion, we think of all the Christmas foods. Oh, we need Christmas cookies and we need Christmas hot chocolate and we need a Christmas signature cocktail or whatever people right, want, you know? Right. Every day you are emotionally eating, whether you want to admit it or not. It's when we take it to an extreme, quote unquote, or attach it to that stress, that negativity, that guilt, and that shame, that then the eating overtakes us. And that's really the difference that I try to explain to people when they're like, I have to end emotional eating. No, you just have to defeat this piece of it, okay? Right. We are all emotional eaters. We emotionally eat every day. It's cold outside. I want some soup because soup warms my soul and that sure. makes me feel better. Emotion, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. I don't think we really make the connection to your point about the, that everything that we do clearly is based on the emotions that we feel in that particular moment. So I really love the connection that you make between claiming and owning what it is that you're feeling and just working around that and then move on because, you know, you can't continue to beat yourself up. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I love that the, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned, you know, it's OK to be sad. Just claim that you're sad for whatever reason. Identify what it is that's making you feel uncomfortable. And then once you've been able to do that, you can move on. Now, yeah. I, I think the biggest thing when folks hear or see the label dietitian is that, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hire Leslie and she's going to give me a bunch of recipes that are really healthy. And I'm going to be able to cook all those recipes in 15 minutes or less. And I'm going to have this amazing lifestyle. I'm going to be healthy and wealthy and wise and everything's going to be hunky dory. Now, I'm sure that's part of the practice. But when do you start to introduce the, the healthy diet eating or the healthy uh, food choices that folks can integrate into their emotional patterns of eating and their regular day-to-day -day, uh, habits. So I would start with what you're talking about to me is what would yield what I call the unbelievable result. I'm unbelievably following exactly what she's telling me to do. I'm cooking it. I'm eating it. I'm buying it. I'm shopping it. And every day is perfect. And right. we don't live in our A game days, as I call them. That's we so live true. on our B game days. We yep. live in our C game days. Yep. Somebody's late. Somebody needs help tying their shoe. We forgot this. I forgot that. We don't have time to cook dinner, whatever it may be. So yep. I never start there, which is where people get very confused because I said, you don't want unbelievable. You don't want to, you don't want to be like, look at me. I lost 20 pounds in a month. You want repeatable. 
You right. want to shed it off and get yourself to be very comfortable in your body and to be able to repeat it. Oh, I went on vacation. I came back a few pounds heavier. I just go back to this or right. I just I just shift this little thing and start walking again or do the thing. And then boom, I'm repeating right back to the weight that I wanted to be. Right. And so I really have people start from tell me what you actually want your life to look like. Do you actually want to cook no. every day? <laughs> Do you want to go to five-star restaurants? Do you want McDonald's three times a week? Sure. Do you? And when we can get that and you can live in your own reality, you can still get results. I, I get that we had the whole like long, long time ago, the Big Mac guy, whatever. I can't think of that. Yes, Supersize yes. Me? That's right. Supersize me. Um, yeah. And he gained all that weight. Believe it or not, he did that in the way of supersize me, which we don't have anymore, right? If you were to eat McDonald's every single day and you do it in a healthy way, you could actually fit it into a diet. It's yeah, possible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's going to be the healthiest outcome, meaning like nutrition wise, but I'm saying it from a standpoint of we introduce ourselves to all these unbelievable diets. I'm going to do intermittent fasting. I'm going to follow keto. I'm going to whatever. And we're our own trials. We have For no sure. idea what keto is doing to anybody. We won't know until 40 years from now when we have the right. results and we can retrospect, right? Right. So we're willing to subject ourselves to those things for an unbelievable result that we cannot repeat consistently. It's not sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely not sustainable. I, I really appreciate the realistic approach that you have to right. food, to uh, health, you know, living a healthy lifestyle. I think what's more important, and you know, when you visit your website and you read the guest blog that you shared, is the thing that's really most important is that it's sustainable and it makes you feel good and it's a lifestyle choice. So kudos to you for being able to make that connection and help people really be a little bit more realistic. And I guess that really dovetails really wonderfully into your three words of advice, because we always ask folks in the guest blog to share three words of advice. And yours is drop the diet. 100%. And tell me a little bit more about why those three words are real. I know you've alluded to them with you know something that's sustainable, something that's realistic. And you've also mentioned some of the, what I would call fad diets or various different ways that we can also connect with in terms of uh, um, recipes and, you know, and eating habits. But why do you feel that you need to drop the diet? I always view the word diet as die with a T, right? I mean, it sounds awful when you think about it. But as I learned when I was in college, diet is literally, it's translated to whatever you eat in a day. You're on a mm -hmm. diet. Right. So why do I say you need to drop it? Because you're on one now. But the moment you tell yourself, I'm on a diet, it's, I don't know if anybody's ever seen this, but there's a Modern Family episode where they're it, like in an experiment. And it's like, don't push the button. And he's like, oh my God, we're in the experiment. We can't push the button. Don't push the button. But when you say, don't push the button, everybody goes, well, no, wants to push the button. <laughs> right. So as soon as you say, I'm on a diet, you're like, oh, there's a McDonald's. Oh, there's a Hardee's. Oh, yeah. there's a this. Oh, I can't do that. I have to skip out. I can't believe I have a Mexican date next week. What am I going to do? I can't go yeah. out with the girls with Mexican. I can't say no to this. I can't. Right. right. And then we're asphyxiated on all the things we can't have. And the moment we do that, we go back to ourselves as a child. When mom and dad are like, no, 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 no. But now we're knowing ourselves yeah. and our willpower is effortless, right? We don't really have willpower. And many people actually in this world don't actually have willpower. So we've, we've set ourselves up to fail. fail. Which is yeah. why it's a diet. It's a diet. Now I've died. Yeah. 
to the yeah. diet and I hate yeah. this and I got to start over again. And right. that's why I say, just drop it. Like, don't, don't even, if, if you are going to do one, please don't call it a diet. Just be like, I'm shifting my eating. Even just yeah. changing your language like that, you will succeed right. 10 times further. Well, I think that's really a wonderful way for our viewing and listening audience to be able to wrap up their experience in uh, our conversation today. I love the, the touch points of, you know, things have to be sustainable. We have to be realistic and we actually have to acknowledge that we're human. And I really want to thank you for sharing all of those really amazing tips uh, with us and how we can be more successful and drop the diet. Thank you. Thank you for having me. To you, our viewing and listening audience, I'd like to thank you for joining us today for this edition of Keeping It Real, introducing you to the person behind the logo. If you'd like to connect with our guest, you'll find Leslie's contact information in the description portion below. I'm Trish Tonai, founder and host for the series. And if you're interested in sharing your business story, visit our website at shareyourstories.online. And for other inspirational features, subscribe to our channel, Business Mentorship, Keeping It Real. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to meeting you next time when we share another great idea.